Hello and welcome to today's Here's to Your Health podcast. I'm Don Lentzman, Executive Director of Marketing and Development at Crawford County Memorial Hospital. And my guests on the podcast today are Don Gross. Don is the training captain of the Durham, North Carolina Fire Department. He's a hazmat coordinator, 23 years of experience, and he is uh, employed part-time by federal, federal resources in order to be able to provide the hazmat training that he does. And also joining me today on the, on the podcast is Ryan Campbell. Ryan is an analyst who's assigned to administration and operations for a Durham Fire Department in North Carolina. Yeah, he has got experience in program management and coordination, and his uh, history is with county emergency management agencies. He also is employed part-time by Federal Resources to provide hazmat training. And thank you both for joining me today. Thank you for having us. The occasion for uh, your visit here at CCMH is uh, some hazmat training that was provided to fire uh, department personnel, EMTs, other people who have an interest in uh, hazmat um, uh, things. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm not really familiar with that. I, th- I think maybe where we start is by talking about what are hazardous materials. I think if, if you would say that just in the general public, there are a lot of people who are thinking two things, unexploded World War II ordnance or <laughs> nuclear waste. But chances are it's neither one of those. Yeah. So, so tell us, what, what would a normal hazardous material be? Hazardous materials is any type of substance that is being shipped uh, through rail, uh, truck. Uh, it could even be in a personal vehicle that accidentally uh, is released into the environment and then causes a reaction or just a, a possible... Um, let's go, uh, possible uh, hazard to either the environment or to the public that is now needed to be uh, mitigated by trained personnel. So, so Don, give me an indication of what some of those things might be specifically. Are we talking about diesel fuel? Are we talking about bleach? Are we talking about anhydrous ammonia? I mean, what, what are some common everyday run-of-the-mill household garden variety things that people might not think are hazardous materials but end up being like that. Take a walk down any Lowe's, Home Depot, Ace Hardware, shelving and you will see hazardous materials. As long as they're being used for what they're supposed to be, they're not hazardous. But once they're being released into the environment, uh, not uh, properly, that is considered a hazardous material. So yes, it is diesel fuel, gasoline, anhydrous ammonia. It could be the um, the bleach that is uh, left on uh, milk, which is kind of a funny thing that if it was going down the highway and leaked into a pond or something like that, it's going to hurt the uh, ecology of that pond. And I think that's the key about hazardous materials. It's not so much um, it's not so much that it is hazardous in and of itself, but that you have a situation where it will affect <coughs> people, wildlife, waterways, so on and so forth. Ryan, I know that you and Don are here on a training mission in particular for Federal Resources. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the kinds of topics that you train on when you come out? Yeah, so Federal Resources is a private company that is contracted by fire departments, hospital agencies, emergency management groups, private companies, front of them, everybody. And so they train on every topic that you can think of that would relate under public safety. Don and I specifically stay in the hazardous materials field as our kind of area of expertise, 
and we teach uh, decon. Don teaches a course called Hazmat IQ, which is about just the generic response to hazmat. We teach the fire department specifics, law enforcement specifics, hospital specifics, and kind of any part of the response and management of hazmat events. Everything from the first 30 minutes all the way through the cleanup on the back end to get the property back to what it was beforehand. Uh, my guests on the uh, podcast today are Don Gross, uh, training captain from the Durham, North Carolina Fire Department, and Ryan Campbell, an analyst assigned to administration and operations for the Durham Fire Department. And we're talking about hazardous materials uh, management remediation. Uh, and so maybe the next thing we need to talk about is once that happens, you spill milk, you spill diesel fuel, uh, something else happens, it's released into the environment and it needs to be cleaned up. Who, who's really responsible for that? So every state's going to treat it a little bit differently, right? State regulations are going to kind of set the, the direction that everybody's going to follow within that state. But almost always, you're going to get a first response agency that shows up to immediately mitigate the problem. So if it's the fuel tanks on an 18-wheeler that got inadvertently punctured going down the road, right? Kicked up a rock, it nicked it just the right way, some diesel fuel starts spilling out, most often you'll see the fire department respond. They'll come out, they've been trained to a specific level in hazardous materials response. They'll do what they can to protect life, preserve the environment, and protect property. And so most often they'll do their best to stop that leak. If for some reason they can't stop the leak, they'll contain it to keep it from spreading out. And at that point, once the threat is relatively contained as best they can, they turn it over to some sort of cleanup organization. Sometimes the trucking company may have their own, sometimes the county has contracted with someone. It differs by state and by county, but you're gonna get a first responder that will do everything they can to mitigate the problem at the source of origin, and then some sort of remediation and restoration organization. So Don, when we talk about hazardous material spills, and, and Ryan gave a good example of a maybe a tanker truck that turns over and spills out a few gallons of diesel fuel, in the case where you have a derailment of X number of you know railroad cars who are carrying uh, industrial cleaners or whatever or whatever the case might happen to be, obviously it's going to be a little bit bigger response than just a group of first responders out there at the very beginning. Where does that escalate to? It's going to start off with the first responder. They show up. They do identify. They'll, of course, call their local EM. That EM will reach out to its partners in and around the county and, of course, adjacent counties. Then, of course, it's also going to go up to the state. And depending on the size and the scope of this, the counties actually might reach out to regional hazmat teams uh, in and amongst the areas. It can also go across state lines. But on the other side, the train companies or the, uh, the product carrier is also going to send their own experts there at the same time to assist in the mitigation of this. Uh, the local fire departments and hospitals, mainly, uh, their job is, of course, to protect the people that live in that general area uh, first and then they'll let the larger teams um, come in more, the regional response teams come in and uh, start the mitigation of that uh, leak or derailment. My guests on the podcast today are Don Gross and Ryan Campbell. Both are assigned to the Durham, North Carolina Fire Department. Both have extensive experience in, in hazmat training and coordination. Both are employed by Federal Resources, who provides a great deal of hazmat training uh, not just in Iowa, but around the country. Uh, one of the questions uh, I think probably people would have, and I do, 
obviously I'm just not going to run out and clean up hazardous materials in my blue jeans and tennis shoes. I mean, there's there's got to be something something more than that. So there's got to be some personal protective equipment. How does all of that work? So there are basically four uh, levels uh, that have been dictated by the government. You have level A, level B, level C, and level D. Level D is what we're sitting in right now. It's your average everyday clothes. Uh, they pretty much don't provide any true chemical protection. Uh, when we move up to the level C, we do get some splash protection, but again, uh, we usually have um, one of those masks that you have been seeing the uh, nurses and uh, firefighters wear when they're responding to the COVID patients that have a filter on the outside. You might actually have one if you're doing some sort of painting. Uh, that is a level C um, ensemble. Then you move up to level B and it's, it's along the same lines as the same suit, but now you're wearing uh, an SCBA, which is a self-contained breathing apparatus that uh, is basically a scuba tank on your back. It brings your own air. It usually runs between 30 minutes and an hour uh, inside there. But with that, we're protecting our skins, but we're also uh, protecting our respiratory. Uh, if we do move into that train derailment where we are talking about possibly chlorine gas or anhydrous ammonia, we'll be moving into something called a level A, which is one of those big suits uh, that you see that's actually encapsulated inside, the responder zipped up inside, um, and it's our own little atmosphere as we go down range and try to mitigate that scene. So it, it really depends on the chemical. There's a lot of schooling that goes into this. Uh, a lot of your fire departments um, and what we just did here with the hospital uh, takes a lot of training and, and practice to go ahead and become proficient in it. And Ryan, you mentioned earlier that you're part of a decon group. Uh, decon stands for decontamination. So obviously after you have people who are working on cleaning up hazardous materials, there has to be some way to clean up the people who have been working on cleaning up the hazardous materials. Why don't you talk for just a second about what, th what that looks like. I mean, how do you decontaminate somebody who's been working and trying to clean up uh, hazardous materials? Yeah, absolutely. And that question is the crux of the class that we were brought in to teach. So we deliver an eight-hour course on specifically decontamination, both of the public and of our own responders. Uh, and the product involved is really what drives the mission there. So if they're exposed to a solid or a liquid or a gas, what we've done in this course is given the fire department, the EMS providers in the hospital, a bunch of different kind of tools in their toolbox, if you will, to respond to those events and decontaminate those personnel. It can be as simple as a high volume fan. If they were you know, exposed to use flour as an example, right? Non-hazardous, but it's one of those things that a fan, it's gonna blow it off them, it's gonna be off of them, it's off of their protective equipment, and it's now gone, right? If it was something a little bit more stubborn, whether it was a gas that permeated into their clothes or a liquid that saturated something, we've provided these personnel a multitude of different options, equipment, solutions, different things that they can use to get that stuff off of the responders, the civilians, whatever group it may be. Um, and most oftentimes you'll see some sort of a spray down technique as well as a removal of that saturated clothing. My guests on the podcast today are Don Gross and Ryan Campbell. Both are associated with the Durham, North Carolina Fire Department. Both are hazmat uh, coordinators and, and uh, trainers. And we're talking about uh, hazmat training that's been held here at CCMH in the last day. Probably to, to finish up today, Don, one of the things uh, I'm, I'm gonna guess that people are asking themselves because I am right now, you know, if I, if I have a hazmat spiller, I think it is one, or I think I come across something that looks like that, what, what's, what do I do? 
an excellent question. The, the best thing that the public can do is to get back to a safe distance, call 911, and advise uh, the 911 operator the, the, the information, the best information that you can give them so that they can ensure that they get the proper people out there to go ahead and start the mitigation, but mainly keep the public safe. Uh, you can't be a helper if you're being contaminated yourself. So what we always tell everyone else, if you're not properly equipped or properly trained, step back, let the people that do have the proper equipment go down range and start handling the situation because you don't want to be a victim yourself and you definitely don't want to be a victim uh, and possibly hurt other people in that uh, event. Ryan, um, your experience with hazardous materials, uh, would you have to be a member of a fire department or an EMT or someone else with advanced training in order to be a part of that group? Or could you do that just as a regular run-of-the-mill garden variety guy like me? Yeah, so everybody that's going to do something offensive, right? They're going to do something to mitigate the event or take some sort of control measure is going to be affiliated with some sort of public safety agency. They could be law enforcement, they could be the fire department or EMS. It's not discriminatory within that group, uh, but we really try our best to keep citizens away from interacting with chemicals just because they haven't been trained with them. And even though they're the same chemicals that may be inside your home, if it's on the side of the road and it's been spilt out of a truck, it's not behaving in the way that most people would be used to it behaving, right? It's on very hot pavement, it's really cold and it's snowing outside, it's gonna behave differently in those environments. And so if it was somebody that wanted to be involved in that and they really liked chemicals and they wanted to be part of that response, a call to the local fire department and some talk about volunteering with them, getting some of that training and becoming affiliated would be the key to getting into that response business. Well, I thank you both for your time today. It's a fascinating uh, conversation. And if there was anyone who's listening today who would like to learn more about hazardous materials uh, and how they might join a hazmat team, encourage them to contact uh, their local fire department and see about uh, getting involved in doing those kinds of things. My guests on the program today have been Don Gross. Don is a training captain with the Durham, North Carolina Fire Department. He's a hazmat coordinator with 23 years of experience and Ryan Campbell, an analyst assigned to administration and operations for Durham Fire, and uh, his history is in County EMA, Emergency Management Agency work, and both are here courtesy of Federal Resources, and I thank you both today. Thank you. Thank I'm you Don Lentzman, Executive Director of Marketing and Development at Crawford County Memorial Hospital. We care for life. <laughs>